Kia ora and welcome to The Kaka. This is my daily podcast that goes out with an email newsletter for a Substack. I'm Bernard Hickey. I focus on housing affordability, climate change in action and poverty reduction. Today I wanted to focus on a couple of bits of news you probably haven't seen, uh, partly because they seem quite obscure and also they're behind paywalls and I subscribe to just about everything. So I see them. And I keep an eye on the factors that make our housing unaffordable, that mean we are missing our emissions reductions targets, and that mean we have high, persistent and incredibly damaging uh, levels of poverty. It's all about our housing costs, and I'm not really talking about the cost of the actual building, I'm talking about the land costs. And this incredible situation where we have the most expensive rents in the world relative to incomes, where we have the highest portion of our population having to pay more than 40% of their disposable income in rent, i.e. the most stressed renters in the world, and a housing market that is clearly out of whack, not just with the rest of the economy, Uh, but also with other types of savings. And um, these couple of bits of news really illustrated uh, this for me. Uh, On Business Desk, um, Oliver um, Lewis has reported today that a a company that is developing some land at Beachlands, this is on the fringes of East Auckland, around a former golf course or a golf course that's now bankrupt um, called the Formosa uh, Golf Course. So for those people who know Auckland, we're talking out past uh, Howick and uh, Glen Innes uh, with some great views of the Hauraki Golf. Perfect place to develop some high-value homes and do it with plenty of greenery in a former golf course. Seems to make sense. And uh, this company is very large. In fact, it's uh, connected up with the New Zealand Super Fund in looking to develop this land, particularly into housing, which sounds good. But we've learned that this company, uh, um, which is called, because I need to get this right, um, this company is uh, called, let me just get this right, this company is called Russell Property Group and it is developing 250 hectares of land. And the owner of Russell Property has decided to sue Auckland Council over its plans for a new future development strategy, an FDS. Now, this is all about the council wanting to avoid sprawl. So one of our main problems is that to build new homes, we have to either go out which means greenfield homes, brand new suburbs, uh, lots and lots of single-storey homes uh, on their own plots of land uh, with a big motorway and lots of cars driving to them, Uh, uh, and lots of expense in building the roads and pipes and schools and hospitals way, way out into the distance, not to mention all the emissions uh, that it uh, causes. And, and so the council um, is very reluctant to allow more sprawl. It currently has, or currently had, about 9,600 hectares of land already designated future suburban development. So these are 
plots of um, lifestyle blocks and farms which have nothing on them at the moment but have been designated, yep, at some point we might rezone that for residential and we're thinking about how we do it. Now this um, plot, these 9,600 hectares are of course particularly juicy because if you happen to own one of those farms or lifestyle blocks and then you're able to get the council to zone it through a private uh, plan change into residential, suddenly that land is worth 10, 20, 100 times more than it was before. So if you happen to own that land, the most uh, um, effective way you can increase the value of it is to get it rezoned. And the reason that there is so much demand for these plots of land for housing is that we don't have enough houses. And that's because our population is growing very fast and we haven't built nearly enough houses. Now, you may ask the question, how come this is the case? Why haven't the normal incentives of high house and land prices encouraged people to build lots more houses and land? That's how markets are supposed to work, right? The price goes up. Uh, everyone looks and goes, oh, there's a profit to be made here. I'll build some, a lot more houses to fill the demand. And that makes sense. However, to build a house, you can't just rock up and build a house. You obviously need to connect it to some water, some sewerage. You need to have a road that goes there, some footpaths, maybe a school, some hospitals. These are all decisions and investments that a government or a council have to make. Now, you may wonder, well, why doesn't the council and the government invest the money in the infrastructure to make the housing happen? Well, this all goes back to 1989 when New Zealand was reforming its tax system and built a pretty effective broad-based low-rate system for taxing income and then for spending. So this is the GST and income taxes and also removed what was seen as unfair uh, tax advantages for rich people, and in particular, incentives for putting money into pensions. And uh, so that was removed. The plan all along, though, was to bring in a capital gains tax to have a fair uh, tax system so that you didn't have any, any big loopholes for people to use to avoid having to pay tax. Uh, because this was the last thing that wasn't doesn't done, uh, back in 1989, the then Labour government and the then Finance Minister um, David Cagle were unable to bring put through the capital gains tax. So that's been one of the basis, basics of our economy ever since. We're, of course, one of the very few countries in the world that doesn't have a capital gains tax. And the, the sort of interesting thing is that it, it's happened not having a capital gains tax is the same time as we removed the tax incentives for investing in shares and in businesses. So it makes no sense uh, if you have some spare money at the moment to put it into a managed fund or a uh, your own business um, because the um, leveraged after-tax returns by comparison uh, from investing in land are spectacularly higher in New Zealand. And it means that our entire economy over the last 34 years or so has pivoted to be focused on investing in residential land. And you may wonder, well, isn't everyone else doing this? How are we worse or different from Australia or the United States? Why, um, why are we special? 
Well, um, we're special because we don't have a capital gains tax and because we don't have incentives for people to put money into businesses. And what that's led to is a situation where our housing market is now currently worth 1.6 trillion New Zealand dollars. And you might say, well, it sounds a lot, but doesn't mean much to me. Well, uh, it is worth four times our GDP. And it is worth 10 times our stock market. And it is worth 16 times our KiwiSaver funds and eight times all of our pension funds. Now, you may, may say, well, so what? Well, let's look at other countries that have more normal tax situations and don't have this massive... Uh, preference for investing in residential land that's leveraged. So, for example, um, interestingly, Australia has the same uh, multiple of the value of the housing market to the value of GDP, about four times. But when it comes to the stock market, Australia's stock market is, is worth uh, a quarter of the Australian housing market, whereas our stock market is worth a tenth. And when you go to the United States, uh, they have a housing market which, which is worth $47 trillion, which is about the same as the stock market. So our multiple for New Zealand housing to stocks is 10. The multiple in the United States is 1. And when you look at uh, uh, savings and uh, tax, and tax um, preferred uh, pension funds, remember we don't have those sorts of things, um, we have a little bit of money dribbled in at the start of KiwiSaver and not much else. And uh, But in the United States and Australia and most other places, they have various tax incentives. They can be when you put your money in, it can be while the money's in the fund or after you come out. And we don't have tax incentives at any of those three steps, uh, whereas Australia and the United States have incentives at the start of the process, at least, and other countries have it at other points in the process. The end result is that we have this huge incentive to put money into leveraged land rather than businesses. And it also creates some interesting problems with uh, the incentives in our political economy. So what is it that gets people interested in voting for things or against things. Now, we know we've had uh, at least three or four elections where we've debated whether or not to have a capital gains tax because we realise there is this hole in our tax system that not only is um, skewing our uh, activity and the way the economy operates, but it's deeply unfair and widens inequality and creates all sorts of perverse outcomes. It's worth looking at uh, at those perverse outcomes in the context of these uh, two stories. So the first story, of course, was the um, moves by the uh, uh, land banking and land development company, which is called Russell Property Group, to get the council to stop um, its process of, of, uh, of stopping new greenfields developments. And you'll know that this is one of the hot topics in the election. The National Parties are very keen on Greenfields development. Um, the Labour and Green Parties are not. And that's because um, essentially when you do Greenfields developments, it's much more expensive to roll out a brand new roading network, water network, brand new schools and hospitals. You're actually more, it's more efficient to do it in a brownfields way. So you're actually reusing roads and schools and 
paths and hospitals and that sort of thing that are already there and that they can be built and um, expanded uh, faster and cheaper than if you're having to build them for the first time. And of course, for a lot of councils, they are restrained from borrowing to fund this infrastructure investment. So their incentives are to stop any sort of development on the fringes. Uh, the government um, is also incentivized not to do this. Why? Because uh, they need to win over the votes of people who own homes. And those people who own homes have realized the current set of incentives and worked out that the thing they need to do is to be able to borrow the most against their income. Now, why do you ask this? Well, if you want to make lots of money, the best way to do it is to leverage. So borrow as much as you can, have a small amount of equity, and when the value of the property goes up, your equity goes up in a much bigger way than it would be if it wasn't leveraged. And you could say, well, um, well, why don't you just borrow lots of money to buy shares then? Well, you can't because the bank won't lend it to you because it's riskier. There's less clarity over who owns what. And for a bank, it's very simple. If you have a mortgage over a clear land title and, um, and you have uh, the ability to lend to someone and they have agreed to always service the loan and repay you through their income, particularly through a wage or a salary, then as a bank, you're more than happy to uh, lend to that person against land if they have an income, particularly a certain regular income, then you would lend to someone who may not have an income and is a bit of a uh, um, an investee slash speculator in the stock market. Um, however, that's not the case overseas. There are some banks that do lend to people who uh, um, invest in the stock market or other types of uh, investors. The difference here, of course, is that uh, in New Zealand, um, our spare money goes into land. It doesn't go into investment. Now you could say, well, what's the problem with that? It's obviously much more profitable. Well, yes, but it also means that we don't invest as much in our businesses. And because governments are very keen to keep disposable income high, as high as possible, for people who own homes. Not necessarily because they need the money, but because the more disposable income you have and the more property you have, the more money you can borrow. Because the bank will look at you and go, okay, you've just had a tax cut. You have more money to service the mortgage, so we'll lend you more to buy another property. And on we go. So the incentives in our political economy are designed for owning land, making sure you have a tax cut, making sure that the council and the government give you a rate, a rates, a small rates increase, and also don't invest in the infrastructure, which would mean there's competition for your land. And the final uh, incentive is to make sure we have plenty of population growth, because the more population growth, particularly if it's uncatered for with infrastructure or housing, then the higher, higher the rents and the higher the land price appreciation. And remember, because it's tax-free, you, you get a double whammy. You get the leverage plus the fact it's tax-free uh, in comparison with other types of investments. So we end up with this um, situation of not so much an economy of society. We have a housing market with bits tacked on. It means we have low investment, which means we have low productivity, which means we have to work ever longer hours to um, ensure that we can pay the rent or um, pay the mortgage. Uh, it means that uh, once 
you own a home and are on the ladder, so to speak, the incentives are there to pull the ladder up and to kick down because you need people to rent off you. Uh, you don't need people to, comp- to, um, to, to buy a home and not to be renting. And that means you, you like lots of uh, migration, but of course you don't like lots of infrastructure investment because that would mean you wouldn't get the tax cuts. So it's a perfect combination. You get high, high rents, high land price appreciation, low taxes, not much of a rates increase, and uh, um, leveraged tax-free capital gains. It's brilliant if you own a property. Uh, it's not so brilliant if you want to um, generate an economy that has high wages, real wages, and uh, grows those real wages as fast as our competitors. And Australia is the real uh, option here. Australia, of course, because of that big pension fund, the incentives for putting money into pension funds, even though it's got a, also got an overvalued housing market, relative to the to uh, stocks and other things, it's not as overvalued. And also because there's plenty of uh, capital there to invest in companies, those companies have invested. And it means that they've invested in technology and systems, which mean that Australians, of course, get real wages that are 30 to 40% higher than ours. And when you have an obvious comparison, people jump. Now that is fine, you could say, well, it's their choice to leave. Um, But of course it doesn't work if you have too many people leave and that forces you to encourage yet more people to migrate or at least to be a temporary worker. Remember the point of calling someone temporary is that you can then kid yourself and everyone else that you don't need to build the infrastructure for them because they're not going to be here permanently. Of course, we've had all of these temporary migration surges every year for 20 years and it stops to become temporary and becoming real. And what we end up with is the fastest population growth in the developed world with the lowest number of houses per head of population with a structurally lower um, uh, new housing build supply than everywhere else and on we go. And you wonder, you might wonder, oh, why don't we just build lots of houses to solve the problem? We've heard lots of supply arguments before, uh, which is fine. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to build lots of efficiently built houses that are cheap to build at scale, for example, prefabrication. And there's been lots of talk about prefabrication and lots of people have set up companies and set up factories and away we go. Well, another one just went bust uh, and they regularly go bust. And you might wonder why. Surely there's a huge need for this stuff. Surely there'd be a natural advantage in being able to pump out lots of cheap homes inside a factory where it doesn't rain and you can have people working real shifts and you can use a few machines. The problem, of course, is that you need to do it at scale. And actually, if your incentives are to stop new houses being built and to stop new infrastructure being built to ensure you get the tax cuts and you get the um, the no rates increases... Uh, then often the houses just don't get built. And actually, when you look at the incentives around building houses on land, it makes sense to own the land. It doesn't make sense to own the building because you need to pump as much value into the land. That's something that can be leveraged. And also, you need to pump uh, as little money into the house as you possibly can. Remember, you've only got a certain amount of money to buy the house and the land. And you need to put the least possible cash into the actual building. Because remember, that building will depreciate. It doesn't rise like the value of the land. And your bank won't love you for overcapitalizing, as they call it. So um, that means cheap building materials that won't last long, uh, not very good um, um, 
onward uh, costs of running the home because um, it doesn't really matter uh, what the house costs to run. The most important thing is the land value. So we end up being completely focused on uh, buying and owning and leveraging residential land, uh, pumping it full of people and debt and uh, hoping that nobody notices and doesn't leave the country. Or if they do, we can replace them with more migrants as fast as possible. That's where we are at the moment in uh, New Zealand Inc. Now you may wonder, hang on a minute, why, why aren't we debating this and trying to change it? Surely we shouldn't be uh, planning and enabling all of this population growth without the infrastructure and with incredibly high housing costs. That's not a good thing. Well, we, we've been talking about this for a while now. Uh, we've had four elections where, in theory, we should have debated it. But again, we are having an election campaign with no debate about population growth that is uncatered for with infrastructure, no debate about the financing and um, taxation settings uh, that would be appropriate for that sort of population growth. So if you have population growth of 1.5 to 2%, you eventually have to pay higher taxes to pay for all the infrastructure that you're going to build. And uh, you also need things like congestion charges um, and higher uh, um, fuel levies, those sorts of things. Instead, we're having a debate about removing fuel levies and uh, certainly the government wants to reduce its debt, doesn't want to increase it, which is what you'd need to invest in infrastructure. Uh, because it works. It works for landowners. It doesn't work for renters. It works for old people. It doesn't work for young people. It works for now. It doesn't work for the future. And it certainly doesn't work for either the environment or those quarter of a million people who are living in grinding, stressful poverty, which eventually squirts out the edges and the ends and in the future into higher health costs, higher justice costs, higher education costs and lower productivity. Uh, this is the series of um, feedback loops and perverse outcomes created by uh, the decisions we made effectively in 1989 and the decisions we've made since then not to change it, to encourage leveraged investment in land that makes tax-free capital gains that are much higher than the alternatives because they can be leveraged and that encourage people to work against their own governments who might want to increase infrastructure spending and uh, increase the number of homes simply because it makes so much sense and has made so much money for those people who own homes. $1.6 trillion, 10 times more than our stock market. And remember, in a real economy like the United States, the housing market is worth twice what the stock market is, not 10 times. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was today's kaka. You might have heard in the background some construction noise, <laughs> which is because it makes sense to uh, renovate uh, a home that you're in to live in uh, rather than build it to last uh, because you can effectively um, take some of the equity out of your home to do that. And so you get a lot of renovations in a market like this. Kakite. Ah, uh, no.